Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Greetings from Sridhar Mayapur, where it is 5.30 in the evening. Hare Krishna. It's, it gets dark here already at, yeah, before 5.30, sort of 5 o'clock. Okay. Nice to see you all, those of you I can see. And some of you I see your names. That's also nice. Um, um, who was that I saw for a moment that disappeared? Jerica Labor, Yeritza Labor. I don't know if I know. But in any case, welcome. And uh, did I just see Ananda Vrindavan, who is in Vrindavan, I think? Yes. <laughs> Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. You're walking somewhere in Vrindavan? Yes. How come it's still light there and it's completely dark? <laughs> That's a little mysterious. We're in the same time zone. <clears throat> mm. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, actually soon to be dark here, like in yeah. a half an hour. Yeah, well, you're further north, but I would think that would mean you get dark earlier, but okay. Uh, sometimes things are just mysterious. Okay, Om Ajnanatimarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namah Shri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamakyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutaparakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raguna Tangitam Tang Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakanvitamscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale, 
Shimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Sadasvate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyade Shatarine Vancha Kalpa Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama Hey Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namaste. Tapta Kanchana Gorangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Gora Bhakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama Ram Ram Hare Hare. Mm. So I hope you all had a good week this last week. Um, as I can say that I had. <clears throat> Earlier today, we went for a swim in the Jalangi. And I must say, it is so nice. Not as cold as I expected. It was quite pleasant. There's no, practically speaking, no current. So unlike the Ganga, which it's actually, the Ganga is actually quite dangerous. You can be swept away in the Ganga. Uh, but uh, the Jalangi is, it's a very shanti river. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just very nice. And perhaps relevant for our singing session, is we have a new harmonium, which we went shopping for just yesterday. We went to Shorup Ganj. Shorup Ganj is the town on the other side of the Jalangi, uh, just opposite of Hulargat. Those of you who have been in Mayapur will be familiar. Um, there's a harmonium shop, and we tested out harmoniums and purchased one. 
and this was donated by uh, Krishna Swarup and Jatamamsi, who are in Alachua, I believe. They've been in Alachua for some, for some time. Okay, now you're going to get darshan of the harmonious Harikish. <laughs> it's right here. Ta-da. Yeah, looks like any harmonium. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> mm. Okay, so let us enter into Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur's second part of his Gopinath song. And for this, should I share the screen or does everyone have it? Uh, everybody, everyone has uh, a copy, I mean the song. We have one to share in the screen, Guru Maharaj. Well, um, if there's no need, then I guess we can do it another way. Let's see, where is it? Here it is. All right, here we have, this is song number two of Upalabdi Vignyapti. And it's from Kalyana Kalpataru of Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And we had the first of, I think it's three parts of Gopinath, a prayer to Gopinath. So he's addressing, O Gopinath, O Lord of the Gopis. Guchau. Shongsharajala Abidya Jatana Aro Nahi Shohe Jonoma Morana Mala. O Gopinath, please remove the torment of worldly existence. I can no longer tolerate the pain of ignorance and the repeated succession of births and deaths. So, Gu Chao, um, this is in the imperative form, but it's uh, imperative can also be an, an, a polite imperative, please. And Shongshara, we know what this means. In Bengali, Shongshara can also mean family. <laughs> hmm, I wonder if there's some connection there. Uh, jala means means fire. Um, or, yeah, torment. Abhidya jatana, see how he translates it. Jatana, he translates as pain. Sahe, this is tolerate, tolerate. Aronahi, not anymore. Not any further. Aronahi. Aronahi sahe, I can't tolerate it anymore. What can he not tolerate? Janama marana mala. The mala, the series of births and deaths. And janama is, of course, stretched out from janma or the metric 
for the meter. Gopinath Amito Kamer Dasa. Okay, uh, this is easy. Ami, I uh, to, uh, it has an apostrophe, and I'm not sure what that would refer to, but it seems to be generally a kind of emphasis word in Bengali. Um, it's like the German doch, ich bin doch müde. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it works the same way as far as I know. Kamer dasa, dasa's servant, servant of what? Of kama, of desire, of lust. So that's the possessive form of kama, kamer. Vishaya basana jagiche ridoye padiche koroma pangsa. Oh, Gopinath, I'm a servant of lust. Worldly desires are awakening in my heart. Mm. So, Jagiche, we mainly know Jeev Jago, Jeev Jago uh, is the imperative. Wake up, wake up, old spirit soul. So, Jagiche is um, what would it be? Present. Um, continuous, maybe. I am waking up. Pridoye, or rather, the heart is waking up. Vishaya um, Vasana. What is waking up in my heart? Uh, the Vasanas, the uh, strong impressions of Vishaya, of um, sense objects. Paniche Korma Pangsa. Titan, Paniche, I think would mean to tighten. Um, what is tightening? The, the, the Pangsa. It, you can't see it in this version. It, sh it should be like PH long A N with some sort of dot or a curl, I forget what it's called, pangsa. I think that can also mean a trap. And karma means karma. Again, it's stretched out with an extra syllable. Worldly desires are awakening in my heart, and thus the noose of fruit of work is beginning to tighten. Noose is like when, when a person is a sentence to death, he may be hanged. Uh, they put a noose around the neck, and that's the end of the life. So the noose of fruit at work, it's like a tight rope, and it's tightening around the neck. <clears throat> so he's saying, I'm desperate. I need, I need help, and my only hope is, is you, Gopinath. Gopinath, Kobe va jagibo ami kama rupa ari dure teagibo ridoye spuribe to me. O Gopinath, when will I wake up and abandon afar this enemy of lust? And 
when will you manifest yourself in my heart? So here comes the question, Kabe. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know quite how the va works here, but it seems to be another emphasis word. Jagibo is the future tense. I will awaken. Ami Jagibo. So when will I awaken? Mm. Kamarupa Ari. Uh, in the form of the enemy, Ari's enemy of lust. Dure Teyagibo. That's another stretched out word. The word is Tiaga, renunciation. And then future tense, tiagibo, and then extended for meter, teagibo. And dure means distant, in the distance. So when am I, I going to wake up and reject uh, this enemy in the form of lust? Hridoye spuribe tumi. When will, you can say the question is still there, Kabe, when? When will you manifest Spuribe in my heart? So there's a close connection between giving up lust and allowing the Lord to manifest in the heart. Gopinath Amito Tomar Jano. Tomare charya, charya, shongshar, bajinu, bhulya, apanadana. Oh, Gopinath, I am your devotee. But having abandoned you and thus having forgotten my real treasure, I have worshipped this mundane world. Mm. Amito, Amito, again, the emphasis. I am, I am, of course, uh, Tomar Jana. I am one of your people. I am your person. <laughs> Tomar Jana. Tomar Echariya, having forgotten or rejected uh, you. Shongshar Bhajinu, uh, absorbed in Songsara. Bajinu, I I worship, or I worshipped, I guess it's past tense. I worshipped samsara. <laughs> and then bulia, having forgotten apnadana, the wealth, the dana of myself, my own, my own wealth, my own treasure. So much of Bhaktivinoda's old songs are, um, yeah, this confession, this remorse, I have forgotten you, my only hope is for you. <clears throat> uh, verse 5, Gopinath tumito shakali jano, aponar jane, dandiya akano, shi charane, 
deho stanu. Stanu. Oh, Gopinath, you know everything. Tumito shakali jano. So we had jana, that's short. This is an example of why um, short and long vowels make a big difference. So in verse four, we had amito tomar jono, jono, person. And then in five, tumito shakali jano. <clears throat> you, tumi, to, of course, certainly, no, jano, everything, shakali. Aponara jane, jone, let's see. Having punished your servant, dandia akono, now having punished your servant, aponar um, jane, your person, your one of you, one of your people. Shri Charane Deho Stano Stano. Please give him a place at your lotus feet. So Deha uh, is give, give, please give him a stana, a place. Where? Shri Charane at your lotus feet. Gopinath e kibichar tobo. Pimukha dakiya charo nidja jone na koro karuna lava. Oh, Gopinath, is this your judgment? Uh, okay, he's translating the word vichar as judgment, conclusion. Vichar usually means uh, reflection your analysis, your consideration. And key is the question word. In this case, is, is it the case? Uh, is this your conclusion, your reflection, your judgment? That seeing me averse to you, Averse here is bimukha. Mukha means face. Bimukha, face turned away. So uh, seeing, dekiya, that I am turned away from you. Charo nijajane, you abandon your servant. Nijajane, your own person. Charo, abandoning, giving up. And don't bestow even a particle of mercy upon him. Na koro karuna lava. Lava is a fraction. Karuna lava, a fraction of karuna of mercy. Na koro, I think the apostrophe indicates it would be koroha. Koroha. You do not give any mercy, even a fraction. Is that your judgment? So he's kind of prodding Gopinath. Are you, have you concluded that I'm a hopeless case? <laughs> Gopinath amito murka ati kise bhalo hoi. 
খবু না ভুজিনো থাই হেন মামা গথি ও গোপীনাথ আই এম সার্টনলি ভেরি ফুলিশ মূর্খা স্ট্রেচড আউট মূর্খা বিকমস মূরকা এন্ড আতি মিনস ভেরি মাছ আমি থো মূরকা আতি আই এম আিগ ফুল and i've never known what is good for me bhalo means good kise um what what is good hmm. what what would be good what hoya is to be uh bhalo hoy kabu na bujinu at any time kabu na bujinu um <clears throat> I could not understand. Thai, therefore, Hano, such, Mama Gati, this is my condition. Gati, of course, Sanskrit word also, Gati means, can mean the goal, the destination, uh, can mean also the, uh, the, the way, the path. Hmm. হরিনাম 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 কেবলম খো নোপীনাথ You're indeed the wisest person, Pandita Vara. Vara means excellent or choice, best of pundits. <clears throat> Again, Tumito, Amito, Tumito. Uh, please look for a way to bring about auspiciousness for this fool. Mudher Mangala, Mudher of this Mudha, <laughs> Tumi Andeshibe, uh, you may search for, uh, search for what? Mangala, for something, for auspiciousness. And please do not consider the servant as an outsider. E dase na bhavo para. Para, there's swa and there's para and swa is one's own and para is another and bhavo again with apostrophe must be bhava um uh, here translated as consider regard to have this mood that i am another someone else an outsider e dase na bhavo para Don't, don't think of me as an outsider, please. Gopinath, 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 Lord of the Gopis. Okay, shall we try this with this brand new harmonia? Ta-da!
दांडिया एकान्ना शिक्षारणे देहस्तानो गोपीना तुमितो शकली जानो आपनार जाने दांडिया एकान्ना शिक्षारणे देहस्तानो Yes. 
Hare Krishna. Welcome again, everyone, to Saturday Sangha from Sridhar Mayapur. We're about, uh, I would say, around 400 meters from the Jalangi. Yesterday, when we, we means myself and Kishore Prabhu, he uh, helped me with um, harmonium shopping yesterday because his Bengali is much better than mine. Mine being my conversational Bengali being pretty non-existent, <laughs> but he's been here for some years now, so. He and Ananta Sarovara are both uh, speaking Bengali. So he came and helped. And then um, after I was remembering that my godbrother, Ram Shraddha Prabhu, lives in Sharup Ganj. And I hadn't seen him for so many years. Um, he used to be in Germany, and he used to, for, sometimes he was with us in the Goranga Bhajan band. <laughs> and I had, uh, some days before, uh, his good wife, Janaki Mataji, was over here for an event. So seeing her reminded me that Ramshad is there. So anyway, we went over with no warning, we just appeared at his house, showed up, <laughs> and uh, they were both very happy to welcome us, and uh, we had a very nice, we had darshan of his deities, beautiful altar, uh, wonderful deities, Radharaman deity he has. And, uh, and uh, he lives right right on the bank of the Jalangi, where it meets the Ganga, um, on the side uh, opposite of Hul Hulargat. So he has, and he, 
he has, a, I guess it's a three-story house. And so from the, even four, from the third floor, I think it was, fantastic view of the Jalungi and uh, the Ganga. It's all right there. Really amazing. So this is my, uh, I should have made photo. Um, probably Kishore made photos. This is uh, a little vision to share with you. Imagine being <laughs> right next to the Jalangi and the Ganga. Yes, uh, speaking of Ganga, a few days before that, that this week, uh, as some of you may know, we had a nice initiation ceremony uh, initiating Sandhya Avatar Das. Uh, Sandhya Avatar, I don't know if he's with us today. He's been running around a lot. I guess not. Um, but uh, Sandhya Avatar is now a an official member of the family. Anyway, this we had the initiation ceremony uh, at uh, the Gang Ganga temple. There's a there's a temple, nice little temple, uh, uh, a sort of a sort of makeshift temple, but not so makeshift. It's uh, anyway, it's quite nice run by ISKCON, and uh, very nice brahmacharis there doing the, the worship. And uh, on the side, they have a nice room, um, perfectly arranged for doing yagya, they have yagya kunda there, uh, just overlooking the Ganga, beautiful. So we had the in initiation, and then... Um, Myself and our priest for the, the Yagya Rama Rupa Prabhu uh, went for bathing in the Ganga. And uh, Nanda Pran, the Pujari, volunteered to guide us like a, like a priest, guiding us in the proper way to perform a ritual bath in the Ganga. And it was so nice. He had all the mantras. There are mantras that are chanted before and during and after and in between. And uh, there's many different, um, well, many, there's a few different procedures you do. <laughs> uh, and it just, it feels very purifying, very, uh, very much uh, empowering and purifying. So I was blessed to have that experience. Um, okay. Now, oh, there's the song. Uh, oh, that answers my question. Param Damananda, you're in Gujarat. It looks like you're on the big screen. <laughs> You have an interesting effect there. <laughs> yeah. Before a big crowd. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm, all right. 
So I think what we wanted to do today was to continue our discussion, our rather serious discussion, or very serious discussion uh, from last time. And uh, there were some of you who, last time uh, we had some of you, okay, back up, some of you uh, wanted, did make comments, and some of you didn't have time to make comments. Um, the subject is this very uh, difficult subject of child abuse in our society and uh, what to do about it and how to, um, how, I think our bigger, biggest question really is how to heal, how to heal victims, how to heal ourselves in um, feeling ourselves uh, bewildered and and possible and very possibly challenged with regard to faith in uh, senior devotees and uh, whether or not it will help our discussion but one one thought I've had about this uh, over the last few days is that I think what is common for many, if not all of us, uh, is a, a psychological condition which has a technical name, namely cognitive dissonance. Um, it's a fancy term, cognitive dissonance, um, which means that you understand you you understand the world in a certain way and however the evidence something happens or does not happen that you expect to happen and it does not fit your understanding of the world it is in conflict so a classical example from of course from wikipedia <laughs> is um there was some religious group in America in, I think it was the 1950s, who were convinced that the world is coming to an end and is going to come an end on such and such date, uh, some date that was coming up very soon. And then the date came and the world didn't end, <laughs> you know. Uh, so then the question was for researchers, so how do the people who were following that group, what do they do with that? They were fully convinced the world's going to end. The world didn't end. So now what do they do? What, how do they adjust to this cognitive dissonance? And it's explained that there are basically two sorts of responses that one is likely to have. And one of them is rationalization. You rationalize, well, it's because of this and because of that and because of the other thing. Um, I mean, you could say actually the world did end, but people haven't realized it yet. <laughs> Or you could say it didn't end because, I don't know, some explanation is there. Uh, so that would be rationalization. And then um, 
there's another uh, another kind of response, and that is called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is when you uh, you filter the information that you get so that you only get that information which convince which supports your understanding of the world. And this is what we've seen a whole lot of uh, in this whole period of the the COVID time. Uh, Those persons who are convinced uh, one way about this virus or the non-existence of the virus, uh, we're getting all sorts of information confirming that this is the case. And those who were uh, feeling, no, um, there is a virus and um, it is dangerous and there is need to protect ourselves from it. And then, of course, debates about how to protect. Uh, so they were finding other information uh, which was supporting them. <laughs> so that's confirmation bias. So it's quite possible we may find ourselves in uh, this situation of doing either rationalization or confirmation bias when it comes to uh, confronting and seeing seeing within our society uh, such a problem as this, the problem of, uh, of child abuse where where persons uh, highly respected have been implicated and um, and where uh, persons in uh, other persons who are highly respected, who are leaders, uh, may be seen as mm, covering up uh, or avoiding or in some way um, implicated in Uh, what's happening. So I just want to mention that because, as I said, cognitive dissonance is something, it's very disturbing. It it disturbs us on on an intellectual level, um, but it affects us, it can affect us very deeply um, because it's all about what is our faith, where where is our faith? Where is the uh, foundation of our faith, and when that is shaken, then we're we're look, you know, we're jumping, we're we're grasping for um, some sort of solution. So my point is, if we can just recognize, okay, here's some <laughs> cause for cognitive dissonance. I don't want to rationalize it away, and I don't want to. Uh, be involved in this seeing the other. have to live with cognitive dissonance for some time. Dissonance means not harmonious. Something doesn't go together. But what I'm suggesting is, uh, can we sort of allow ourselves to be in that that, uh, uncertain space? That may be necessary to do uh, what I was suggesting at the end last time is to go deeper 
into ourselves, into our own, the, the foundation of our own faith uh, in Krishna. Uh, to, to recognize that Krishna is still there, <laughs> that uh, everything we learn, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, is still true. Uh, and uh, we simply want to uh, see how, how, how it is true and how Krishna is still with us. Right, these are my uh, little thoughts on the subject. Um, who wants to continue from last time to, to comment? I think Arunadai uh, Sri, you wanted to say something. And uh, I think uh, Rindapati, you wanted to say something if you're there. But now I don't see either of them. So I'm not sure. Oh, there's Rindapati. Oh, there's Arunadaisri. Yes. Uh, do you want to say something, Arunadaisri? From your experience, maybe we should. Uh, or maybe you can remind us of your background in uh, school <laughs> school administration and uh, so on. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj. My obeisances. My obeisances. Guru Maharaj, I, I just feel uh, enormously humbled in uh, commenting on, uh, on the whole issue of um, um, how shall I phrase it? The whole issue of safeguarding uh, mm -hmm. of young children, in particular, in this context that we were uh, engaged in at, during our last session, um, mm -hmm. and and it is, you know, it is uh, a hugely humili kind of what shall I say? I know there is an awful lot of uh, wisdom that lies within uh, within our. Uh, Guru Maharaj is all, all over the place, really, and the, the kind of work that ISKCON has been engaged in very seriously in attending to the uh, not just the issues, but also uh, recognition of the fact that the things do go wrong uh, for children uh, many a times in organizations all over the place. And and I think I think my experience certainly you know over um, half a century really working in schools and policy at national level uh, as well as at local level and micro levels with working with particular families uh, over the time as well um, mm. and having uh, having also familiarized myself to some extent uh, within uh, avanti it's 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 a extremely um, important issues for us, for all our Avanti schools, of course, um, and for the workforce, The uh, not just the realization of the importance of safeguarding children in the uh, most uh, robust way uh, that we can, um, whatever the situation. But I think um, experience in ISKCON, I think it's, it's uh, every organization, and I'm I, with the absolute humility to talking to to in your presence, um, I think in 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 terms of any organization, it's the organizational culture 
that influences and impacts on not only how well we are able to protect all those, and I don't think it is confined to children only, but it is mm. particularly relevant to children and certain uh, groups of children within our uh, within our young society of children and young people, whether it be females or it be um, uh, babies or girls or, or whatever. I think it's the, the organizational culture which we can put in an awful lot of systems in place, but the systems will not protect children unless the people who are executing those systems um, understand and uh, are committed to those. And I, yeah. I think I think in terms of, um, and within that culture, you know, my minute experience of uh, of being in 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 your service and in Iskon's service, very 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 minimal uh, contribution and experience, I must say. But um, I think that the couple of because these con schools in their inspections um, are religious schools, I should say, children denominational schools, whether they be ISKCON or they be Catholic schools or yeah. they be, uh, Protestant schools, <clears throat> over time, and I'm talking about over uh, at least more than 45 years, 50 years, um, there is a certain uh, tendency, this is a huge generalization, but this is my experience, uh, very limited experience as, a, as an individual, but certainly uh, repeatedly I found wherever, and in Ofsted, you know, Ofsted is the organization that's the Office for Standards in Education, uh, is extremely um, uh, important organizations in the context of UK. Uh, that takes uh, uh, safeguarding hugely seriously. So there have been repeatedly over uh, decades, there will be some hugely significant issues and incidences that have arisen. But each time, the conclusion has been that it's the intimacy and the closeness of the any organization um, that can uh, that can be quite quite um, kind of not in it, it it mitigates against children's safety when the organizations the adults in those organizations and I'm not talking about ISCON only this is any organization small school or it be a big local authority or it could be a a very substantial organization that serves children and young people or serves uh, serves um, vulnerable people but with any in any context um, there has to be an environment which challenges itself and I think I think that is where it's, it's the, the culture that we develop and we grow where every individual is committed to every child and every incident uh, in the deepest honesty and are willing to confront where things go wrong, um, we will never be able to protect children because it means challenging each other. It means challenging ourselves. Uh, and I think, uh, and having systems in place to protect uh, young people, particularly where their voices um, may not be heard or where they may not be 
um, systems for them to raise issues or to express their concerns. So I think in terms of uh, talking about historical uh, issues that become um, that become embedded in cultures of an organization where we stop seeing, that is where the alarm bells really ring and that's where things go wrong, desperately wrong. And uh, we, we, we learn lessons not just from each of those incidents, but from each person who was uh, or who might be at the, be, be at the forefront of the um, forefront of the, the the suffering that such incidents can cause um, for an adult or a child or a parent or whoever, and and I think it's that willingness. So the honesty with which we confront ourselves as an organization, but also within the organization individuals, and our ability and willingness to learn from each incident and to have systems in place that are monitored, that are rigorous in the way people follow them. Um, and I think, I don't know, uh, because we are you know, ISKCON is huge. <laughs> it's each of those little centers, each of those little um, uh, small places, you know, wherever they are, it's a huge responsibility to make sure at an organizational level that systems are in place, uh, which will enable people to be able to challenge themselves, but also be able to you know, whistleblowing is a is a good phrase where there are systems to whistleblow also because we can just see with schools. You can have very very you know small temples in all over the place. And when I remember my visit to Mayapur, and not that long ago, probably about three years ago, I spent a month there. And I and I did go to the school as well, and people were very kind and very generous in 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 being able to talk about issues as well. But I think it's it's keeping under review as an organization um, and learning from the incidents that take place always. And this is a rolling learning program that we all go through. Um, it's that ability to challenge and that ability to. Uh, question and it's that openness as well in being able to people being able to see uh, self-evaluate the extent to which um, we are we are actually not only uh, absolutely mindful and transparent about the risks in every small and big uh, organization and then by that I mean you know temples are our organizations if you look at it in in in, a, in an objective way and in smaller places, uh, the practices that people follow, you know, training for people who are in these organizations where which deal with vulnerabilities and schools and temples are very similar in that cultural context, if you like, you know, there are a lot of young children and young people who are very vulnerable, who are in the hands of adults in schools, and it's the same in temples. Now, they are very open and yet closed environments because there is a lot of personal relationships that uh, we develop um, within the context of our faith and, uh, and, and the extent to which the balance is right between adults not only, not only being 
open and transparent in questioning what's happening, but also being supported in how they might develop best practice in helping young children and um, and and vulnerable adults. I think uh, so. It's it's a huge challenge, and and Guru Maharaj, I think. The, the training programs in uh, such organizations, which are people organizations uh, like ISKCON, like schools, like colleges uh, or nurseries or wherever, you know, in, in a sense, nothing is out of bounds. So I think in terms of seeing, I certainly you know, taking ISKCON out as an, as, a, as an example that is not a good example would be really quite wrong because the issues are the same wherever we are. Uh, it's I don't know what the infrastructure is there within, you know, it's, I know there is a, there's been an awful lot of work done on safeguarding and there's been learning from past incidents as well. But uh, the, the, the crux of it is, you know, do we have, do we have enough systems in place in terms of the adults who are the responsible adult? Do they are they familiar with all these systems that we have in place? And the the not and and you know training is not a, I don't mean that in a very uh, crude way the word training by that I mean awareness uh, raising yeah. awareness is 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 probably the key is raising awareness of uh, every person who is in that position of responsibility i wouldn't use the word authority here but in that mm. position of responsibility um to be able to see whether things are not are going wrong for the one who is vulnerable and do we have that do we have that in place i think that's probably yeah. me feels like the key really uh, how open are we amongst ourselves amidst our friends and amidst our um, you know our uh, people at different tiers of the organization um, are there systems in place to question what's going on and questioning uh, in, in with the with the most open mind and honesty and then supporting those people rather than uh, uh, vilifying and uh, and blaming them is also not the right environment so guru maharaj culture environment support systems in place and and you know training is is not quite uh, i don't mean that in a in a, in a, yeah. in a technical way but the Raising of awareness is extremely important. And I, I'm not sure whether we do that everywhere systematically. Um, in fact, <laughs> in fact, as well as we do in our um, in, in our preaching, uh, you know, and it's almost if we were preaching safeguarding, how would we go about doing that is the question that comes to my mind. For, that's how we, we work in our schools, you know, do we... Uh, yeah. Preaching them the mantra of how every person, every child, uh, however small, however big, however important, or uh, high, high polluted, you know, um, are we, we have, is the culture right? Have we got the culture right in place and to support it and to make sure we are we stand back and see it with a one with of a, the yes, thank you. Uh, one one of the uh, sort of unhealthy tendencies in our society um, which has gone with the it's gone together with this with the missionizing spirit that we we have the absolute truth and all we have to do is share it um 
And so we we see things like as a one-way street that uh, we don't have anything to learn from others. <laughs> and this has uh, this has been a problem in many in many areas. I've been a little bit involved with a, a ministry of cow protection and agriculture um, under the guidance of Galak Kalakanta, uh, who might be with us um, on the other side of my port. And uh, you know, we we start a farm. <laughs> And we think, well, because we're devotees, we kind of, we know everything, <laughs> how to farm. And it turns out, actually, we don't know much at all because none of us, none of us are farmers. <laughs> so similarly, this is how it's been uh, with our schools. Well, we know how to make a school. Prabhupada gave some instruction and we just followed that. And then, uh, so this has gotten us into trouble, but I think we're... I think we're learning, um, maybe the hard way, but all the things you mentioned, they are gradually happening. As I as I heard in one interview, um, I don't know for how long it was, but for some time, there was no uh, child protection agency uh, office here in Mayapur. It was there and then it wasn't there. And um, and the the reasoning was we don't need it here. So this you're mentioning self being self-critical, being self-challenging. Mm -hmm. The mood was we don't need it here um, because we don't have any problem with it. So there was it was like a declaration, uh, and that sort of is. Um, related to this confirmation bias idea. You see only what you want to see. You know, one of the, when I visited the school, I remember, uh, you know, the Prabhuji who was showing around, he, he, was, he was amazing, great. Just went through the systems in this place in school. And one of the things that I, I came away and, and felt bothered about was, uh, was the notion of older children taking, older boys, looking after the younger boys and mentoring them. And I thought to myself, and I, I kind of probed a little bit about whether, how prepared those older boys who were 14, 15, look, I think my recollection is just as an example. So how would a 14, 15 year old know how to protect a four, six year old or seven year old or eight year old? And I think it's about every every uh, layer, every tier of an organization. We've got to see where are the risks and we how yeah. can we mitigate those. And I think it's the identifying the risks, being open to those, and accepting those and mitigating, is is the fundamental. I suppose the rule book really. And uh, and I, we learn from where things go wrong. That's the universal. Yeah. You know, that's how it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's see. Vrindapati, what about, did you want to say something? Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, thank you for uh, remembering. Um, I was kind of in a little bit of, um, I was debating in my head whether I should contribute to the, to the conversation as such, because 
There is a lot of, and, and since we've had the discussion last week, I've had people come visit us, um, you know, come to my home, some devotees from our local yantra and seen people online who have kind of been traumatized through this, through this issue. And um, there's a lot of people who are kind of actually concerned about how, how sannyasis are in, within ISKCON as well and whether there should be a kind of reformation of how sannyasis are treated also within ISCO, ISKCON and how it uh, um, should be protecting us. So I had a few points, but I don't know. I, I, I don't want to kind of feel like I'm kind of speaking out of, out of line you know what I mean? It's a kind of a small fear that I have in the back of my head that I'm thinking that that's not necessarily great either. No, don't. I mean, if you're fearful of being irreverent, uh, that's don't worry about that. We're um, we're all friends. <laughs> yeah. So, could you just hold one moment, please? Sorry, everybody. Um. Maybe um, I can um, just give me a few moments, please. I have somebody knocking yeah. on my door, and I don't know sure. who that is. I'll, I'll be back in one moment. Well, meanwhile, we'll have uh, someone else. Param, you have your hand up. Yes. Hello. Hello, Haryom. Haribol. Hare Krishna. Hari Om. Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, actually, I haven't been. I have just learned about this, and uh, I think what uh, what is wonderful with uh, as an educational uh, tool for anyone who is uh, with children. I think to imagine the world from the child's point of view and how the child sees the, the adult, you know, or the teacher or anyone around. Uh, because it's kind of, you know, children, they are basically like us, in my view, and they just have a small body so that they can't express themselves, but they are very, you know, sharp and cognitive and they learn everything through seeing, seeing what's around them and they remember everything. So, you know, I mean, I, I remember from my childhood when I was watching a movie, so I, I could enter into the, the, this entire fantasy of it. And then when I was re-seeing it, like years later, then I could recognize, oh, this is a trick, this is not a trick. But in the child's mind, it's sort of, everything is interconnected. In, at least it was in my mind like that. So I think that, uh, you know, the elders would, all people, devotees in position, if they would put themselves into the child's mind, then I think they would see it, you know, that how this would probably have, what cons consequences these sort of even words have or looks or touches, whatever can have. Mm. Okay, so you're you're suggesting uh, more empathy with children, identifying with yeah, sort of, with, um, with their world, 
And basically that there doesn't need to be all the necessity to teach someone, you know, this sort of urge to teach. From the top, yeah. Yeah, this sort of, that now you must know this because I know better. Yeah. So I think that would also free the air a little bit. Mm. In the yeah, um, when I think about uh, the <clears throat> what I what I was uh, exposed to in the uh, Mayapur Gurukul when I was spending time there, it was very much a top-down. Uh, method of education, a very, very Indian, and I think you know the the logic was we are being Vedic, and Vedic means you simply this. hear from authority and you absorb that. And of course, the intentions were all good, um, but um, <laughs> I I saw limits to that, and I. I you know, I, I couldn't myself get inspired that, yes, this is how we should uh, be having education in ISKCON. Uh, it was very good for just memorizing a lot of uh, Sanskrit uh, mantras and so on. It's actually very good. I sat in one class that was for one month every day it was a for 45 minutes um we were learning um by memory the 13th chapter of bhagavad gita in a very systematic way which involved essentially completely turning off your mind <laughs> and just hearing and repeating and hearing and repeating in a in a very uh, yeah scientific way one might say so for that it was really good um, but um i didn't see a whole lot of thinking going on or encouragement of thinking of being self-reflective of questioning of raising questions and so on so i think that maybe that's on a more intellectual level but i think it uh it filters through the whole culture and um, could be a problem. Right. Thank you. Uh, Iskan Yandelsbrun A. Fau. <laughs> Ramananda Gopal. Hare Krishna. My obeisances to all of you. Thank you very much for yeah. um, having this discussion. Because actually, yesterday it happened that in my YouTube, I uh, this came up that I saw this this meeting. Sangha. it was the first time, and I turned it on, and I was uh, re, which um, meeting? This the, the from last Saturday. Oh. I saw the last Saturday meeting because I could not, uh, I could not uh, uh, be part of it. And uh, I must say, as, as uh, Audarya Chandigama that she put it, it was exactly my feeling what I had toward the whole thing. And you don't maybe you remember I tried to call you last week, and it was because of this I also didn't know how to deal with the emotions and what, what happened because actually I learned quite a lot also from uh, Bhaktivita Punaswami 
in you know in that sense and um but anyway i i don't want to i think lots is said to this uh, to this discussion already and i don't want to add to this what i really appreciate is that uh you or we open up this discussion because i think this is what i miss the most that we speak about these things you know we don't need a witch hunt now you know and chasing him around the world you know people Quoting now, Prabhupada, Prabhupada said, uh, such people should be hanged and something like that. You know, come on, where where do we go now? You know, what is this? But um, I think we have to really start, will happen that we think about it and come to some kind of really make a change. What maybe has to do also something, or I hope it has something to do also with a change of... Um, uh, of the, how to say... A generation change, some somehow, you know, and this is it comes on very different levels. Maybe I'm also with Frinderpati what he said before. We have to we have to think of what what the duties of the of the ashrams. If we want to imply the ashram system, what are the duties, and is he really, uh, you know, the right one to manage things? You know, whatever projects, big or or or, or small. You know, is this the responsibility of the of the of the sannyasis? And uh, many things come inside because in the discussion, many things come up. What questioning, um, you know, and ashrams. And this is one thing. What I think, uh, you know, you mentioned this also last week that you said actually a gurukul is run by by households, and ideally, I think by by vanaprastas went through whole this 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 stuff and uh able to, to know how to deal with kids and from my experience what i have now for a for a for somebody for a soul in a, in a male body to deal with kids sometimes it's quite challenging so mm. i'm quite happy that in 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 many areas my wife uh is taking the lead you know is in the because there has to be so much more emotions and when you have, for example, a, a couple of vanaprastas living still together with the wife, you know, like Sandipani Muni, then this is, you know, the boys have still uh, some somewhere, if there's emotional issues, they have somewhere to turn to. Like the therefore is said the mother of the or the wife of the of yeah. the guru is like a mother. So yeah. this is one thing I think we, we have to give more weight maybe into um into the vanaprasta ashram. Well, mm. Swamis don't have to deal with marriage issues and child, you know, all of this stuff. And yeah. I'm all for it. <laughs> now you can you can see one of them. And um, the, the the other thing is as well what comes down to it or what goes parallel with it. I think this generation, what we are right in here, we have to deal with three major subjects who are interconnected. This is dealing with women, dealing with children, and dealing for the first time with old people, with old Vaishnavas. Mm -hmm. And the really can that we really can do this, we have to think of a finance system, like a support system, what we have to implant that uh, later on, you know, it starts in the very beginning that we kind of have a social system in place what makes sure that even a, 
uh, a, a Vaishnava or a Pramachari who was not didn't have many followers or whatever is taken care of. And we have yeah. to bring it in place because till now we didn't have the situation that we had old Vaishnavas. And what did, what do we do with them? The best would be if they are taken care in kind of an old Vaishnava home where they can do the bhajan and uh, having Krishna Qatar and in this way preparing for you know the yeah. end of, 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 of this journey. And there must be, must be trained people as well who take care of old bodies, who cook for them, you know, that they get a prashadam or whatever. But we have to bring this in place. And that would be so revolutionary to, you know, to, you know that would be so great. I mean, I would like that is, to... Yeah, that is one thing that uh, I think they do have, at least to some extent, in, in place here in Mayapur. They have a whole building... Uh, just for senior brahmacharis. And, yeah, uh, people are taking care of them and so on. No, but who financed this? And do I go when I'm old? You know, can I go to Mayapur and say, here I am? You know, yeah. so, you know, th this is all not clear. It's, it's, no, my, it's I, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I didn't want to say the problem is solved. What I wanted to say is simply that here in Mayapur, some, some, attention, some attention has been given to them for local devotees. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but you're right. And these are all. See, the thing is, um, again, not to make excuses, but we, we have this, uh, we're, we, we're carrying on uh, the the spirit of the 1970s and 80s when essentially there were brahmacharis, young brahmacharis, very young in ashramas, and they were all just running out the door and uh, doing uh, sankirtan and book distribution. So there was there all of these issues of protection of the young, of the old, of women. It just wasn't there. It was nowhere in sight. Now our society has expanded. Uh, and so now all the different um, age and genders and everything else are there. And so we're, we're trying to learn how to care. But you're right. Um, if there's going to be care, there's going to be need for funding and so on. How is that going to work? How should that work? That needs to be seen. Well, there are different, different systems in place. And as you said, we can learn much from the outside world. We don't have to, how to say, to invent the, the real new. There, there's some, there, there's a system, what, what can be implanted. For example, there's, there's one like, uh, common thing i mean it's not so common but it's so it makes so much sense for me there is a, a kindergarten connected with old 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 people home so old people mm, yeah. taking care of little children that's it's so you know, yeah. it's, that's how it should be because the old people they are staying much more you know kind of fresh like grandparents like grand yeah they tell yeah. stories and taking care of the kids and the kids they have a natural connection with old age so circle yeah. closed. And um, just um, one thing more, I hope that uh, in, in this discussion, there will be more heard the, the voices of, let's say, our generation. 
you know, I, I, I don't think it's it's helpful again when over over our heads, you know, again some solution, some resolution or whatever is passed, and uh, yeah, you know what what I mean. This is I, I think there's there's a, a need to involve at least the the next generation, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I this is this is my hope but i'm very very grateful that uh, we opened this discussion and i hope it, it it spread more into into the the the, the wider iscon world mm. hope so thank yes. you we want um sort of related uh, to the point of responsibility and who takes responsibility uh this last summer i visited well, no, it was still spring. I visited Czech Republic, uh, including the farm at Krishnov Tour. And um, I was there just a short time, but I came to know, well, they invited me to their little Gurukul. It's a, a school, um, a purpose-built house, um, which is near, but not on, uh, ISKCON property. And I came to know that uh, the householders had been discussing with uh, the temple management over a period of two years, how could they start a school? Um, so the discussion was going and going and going and going, and it wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and then the householders realized well, if we want to have a school, we just have to do it ourselves. And that's what they did. So they got together and they built a school and the kids are going to the school. And so a lot of it is, I think this can be, um, I think this is another uh, cultural thing that somehow it's expected that the institution ISKCON is is going to do everything. Um, but maybe it's not necessary that the institution do everything. Maybe this devotee and this devotee and this devotee can get together and say, let's do something for Krishna. <laughs> and this can happen on... I mean, it is happening throughout ISKCON. Different devotees are taking up all sorts of projects. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Vrindapati, are you there? Yes, you're there. Uh, you'll have to un- unmute yourself. Oh, there, there. Thank you. <clears throat> so, um, I think there is. Um, we had we were having some discussions, and uh, to contribute to the discussions here is that um, the treatment of sannyasis and the role of sannyas within ISKCON. A lot of devotees here are also very. Or already know quite a lot about this topic, so I apologize if I'm kind of going over territory that's kind of common sense already for most people. Um, but I think by the one way of protecting the faith of individuals in the society is 
a little bit more of an education on how to deal with um, a sadhaka guru and a siddha guru because mm-hmm. majority of gurus within ISKCON are sadhaka gurus. They are practicing mm-hmm. Krishna consciousness to improve in their spiritual life and, yeah. and because they've moved quite um, ahead in their spiritual practice, much like a sensei in a martial arts school, he can take on students to teach them and train them in martial arts. Um, a sensei just means one who's lived before, you know, one mm. who's lived, you know, so he's a kind of like a sadhaka. But a mm. lot of our gurus are being treated like siddha gurus as if they've already got to some some attainment in the in and there's a big difference between yeah. how the approach to the guru is. And uh. When we approach gurus who are sadhakas, who have not attained siddhi of the sadhana, um, as siddha gurus, um, there is a potential for fall down because yeah. um, there is an investment of faith which is unrealistic for a start. And mm-hmm. two, it's, not, um, it's um, a type of worship which is kind of going beyond um, the parameters of the adhikar of that guru. Yeah, And so um, I think what's happening here is that there's no clear understanding between uh, within our society of how the reverence is supposed to be given and how we consider somebody an Uttamadhikari, who is a Madhyamadhikari, does that exist within the guru system or not, and how that reverence should be given to the, to the spiritual master and also to sannyasis, because a sannyasi according to, you know, I mean, you, Guru Maharaj, already know this and many devotees already do too, but for the sake of the, con- for the, sake of the conversation, a sannyasi is socially dead. Right. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no... I remember when, when, I, um, when I took sannyas, the formal ritual, uh, uh, Kadamba Kanana Swami was present and he was asked to speak and this was uh, one of the points that he made. <laughs> yeah. This is your funeral. <laughs> so in, it's interesting you say that because in outside of uh, ISKCON, when people take sannyas, especially within the Dashanami sect of sannyasis, they perform their own shrad ceremony, their own funeral rites before taking sannyas because they won't have any progeny to perform the shrad or the rituals post-mortem. Oh. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. So, so that is a concept. But, you know, many devotees have already mentioned that then a sannyasi doesn't go to weddings, and we see sannyasis attending many weddings. I try to avoid weddings. Yeah. I and, always say, you don't want me at your wedding. <laughs> it's totally inauspicious to have uh, a sannyasi at a wedding. <laughs> So, it, I mean, the, the, the kind of engagement of sannyasis within society, uh, within ISKCON, if we kind of look at perhaps, I, was remember, I remember one book that um, Kripa Moya Prabhu wrote on the Guru Disciple, he wrote one book, I think there's one chapter in there which speaks about yeah. how sannyas within ISKCON was supposed to be kind of based on a model on the Ramakrishna mm-hmm. mission where mm. the sannyasis kind of function as missionaries, but missionaries on the level like a senior brahmachari. 
And so in institutions like the Swaminarayan and uh, Sampradaya, um, the missionaries, they have one pontifical guru who heads the entire uh, system. And then after that, you have sannyasis who, people who have taken sannyas, but they have to remain um, in pairs with other sannyasis so that they, one is watching the other sannyasi at all times. Yeah, I've seen that because uh, in Oxford at our yeah. centre, the Oxford Centre for Hindu Studies, uh, we have had Swami Narayan Swamis uh, visiting and actually studying uh, one um, I'm not remembering his name now, but one very nice Swami. Um, and always there was there was the counterpart. There was a another. Technically, I think not sannyasi, more like brahmachari. But anyway, they always were in pairs. Of course, they have a they have a kind of strictness which uh, we can hardly imagine um, with regard to interaction or the lack of interaction with women. I visited uh, the, um, what's their big place in Delhi? Akshardham. Akshardham. Yeah, I visited Akshardham uh, with uh, Sugopi, who is listening right now, and her husband. And uh, we met uh, one of the swamis. In fact, it was the swami who was coming to Oxford. Uh, and uh, yeah, Sugopi, you had to remain outside the room, wasn't it? <laughs> she couldn't even sit in the same room. Yeah. So this, I mean, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was as strict as this pretty much. I mean, in terms of his strictness of his sannyas, Prabhupada wasn't, he was kind of had to for the purposes of preaching even perform a right. wedding ceremony, but a sannyasi firstly shouldn't be performing the wedding ceremony of somebody either, or to speak <laughs> of these kind of things. So I think a revision of the responsibilities of a sannyasi and the the kind of code of conduct is perhaps something that needs to be revisited because mm. even children, a sannyasi has no fixed abode, A. Eh? And since Whoops, we all know... I'm in trouble. Yeah. I, I have... <laughs> Fixed abode where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> well, it's it's a kind of it's an ashram. So so to, to, so visiting ashrams con, consistently, Akshetra Swami, uh, Akshetra Sanyasi, <laughs> has has a fixed a, a sanyas fixed abode. But really, what I'm trying to really at the cross cr, the the kind of the the kind of point I'm trying to establish here is that I think sanyasis could be protected a little bit more if they didn't have to feel obliged to kind of have to deal with other people's children because they I've seen sannyasis walk around with children, you know, in 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 with you know holding their hands and things like sannyasi doesn't have any business of they have to have space. They have to have a few meters distance. The children don't need to be near in the proximate proximity of a sannyasi as close as that. A sannyasi yeah. since the sannyas ashram has renounced everything. Yeah. It would make sense that people in ISKCON should take sannyas after the age of 60 and not any anything before that, because that's technically the age of when sannyasis are supposed to kind of, according to the Varanashram system, it's a little bit later. Ramanuja Acharya takes sannyas a lot earlier, so does Sripad Madhu Acharya. But they have mm -hmm. a system around them 
where the, yeah. the sannyas is being supported by the society around them in such a way that there is no the chances of fall down is mitigated by at least 80% mm. yeah. and so I think we're finding that within ISKCON we have some sannyasis who are receiving a lot more worship and respect than other sannyasis some of the samadhis that some sannyasis get are huge and, and very elaborate and some sannyasis have been asked to be cremated and put in the Ganga and then there was a time when at Bhaktivedanta Manor, I had somebody, some, some sannyasi who turned up there, very famous sannyasi, I won't mention names. He was let through the gates at Janmasmi, and we know how busy Bhaktivedanta Manor is at Janmasmi, how many hundreds and thousands of people are going to be. But then the other sannyasi who came, who was not so, you know, respected and in the sense, in the same way, respected, but not maybe worshipped and adored in the same way as the other one was told to join the line for four or five hours. He was also a Prabhupada disciple. Oh, my God. He was told, go, you know, you guys can't go through. We're letting this sannyasi through, but then this, you need to go with your disciples and go and line up for about five hours to go and have darshan of the deities. I mean, we could question (coughs) the the person who is perhaps giving this, actually the person (laughs) already very established and knew, you know, who these people were as well. So, you know, cutting a long story short here, I think there needs to be a standardization of how sannyasis are respected within ISKCON and overall a general review of how the code of conduct should be and the level of worship should the sannyasis should be very much like how Prabhupada, I guess, and how Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati originally had it envisaged as missionaries to go and push out the, the, the movement, to give Diksha, be Diksha gurus, but they're still not necessarily put on a platform as if they are a Siddha guru, but as a sadhaka, just as other people mm. are within ISKCON. And usually post-mortem, um, uh, we find that you know these people who become worshipped, these great acharyas who became worshipped in the capacity that they do, it tends to happen after their demise rather than during their lifetime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think there seems to be a little bit more of um, a kind of need for this kind of social revision to re-understand what Varanashram system is if we're going to be you know, complying with a system of what we call sannyas, which inherently is problematic because it's forbidden in Kali Yuga also. <laughs> so it's it's just a kind of re-understanding about how much worship people are going to be having. I mean, so all sannyasis, in my opinion, should all have the same sannyas mantra when they're giving a group mantra for the spiritual master. If every sannyasi after Srila Prabhupada is under the the kind of penultimate guruship of Srila Prabhupada, rather than having extra Sanskrit mantras and everything like that and display of photographs and things like that. If we had Srila Prabhupada and we had the sannyas mantra was just, everybody had the same, then the treatment of every sannyasi would be equalized, will be Mm. kind of a flattish hierarchy rather than a bit more of a steep hierarchy, which... Maybe you can compose such a mantra. <laughs> well, I thought it was already done because we had no more oh. and then, you know, just following on what. Oh, I see what you're saying. 
Uh, okay. And then you just insert name here. <laughs> oh, no, but it doesn't. It doesn't work exactly because uh, you don't get the right meter. So, for example, in my the, the first of two mantras that yeah uh, devotees chant for me, I realized one day, oh, this is not actually following the meter. Sure. So I did a little tweaking to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's understandable, but I think. I mean, my my point isn't to criticize any of my gurus. I have three ISKCON gurus. It's not like, you know, I'm kind of criticizing any sannyasi, particularly here. But it's about bringing the sannyasis, it's, it's about bringing a little bit more equality to the um, ashram of sannyas and protecting mm -hmm. the ashram of sannyas. And at the same time, it manages the expectations and the level of faith that people are investing in the ashram also. Yeah. And so as a person who's writing a book about um, the sanya, um, a book, I'm writing a book called The Faith Crisis, which I think is, is particularly yeah. important at this time of, of you know, in the climate that we are in and within ISKCON, is there is faith in leaders. And if the faith in leaders was managed by ISKCON through education a little bit more to understanding what it means and what this actually means to have faith in, in you know, the teachings of a particular guru or a teacher, um, it would save a lot of hurt later on in the line for the future to come. So I'm kind of thinking of this trajectory of the future rather than just necessarily honing in on the, on the issues that we've got currently which is important and it needs to be discussed with huge plurality. Um, anyway, I think I should wrap up what I'm trying to say here by just saying that this is just kind of some thoughts that I had that I wanted to bring to the table. And I hope yes. that people take, a, people take, I take, I hope there are forums out there that are taking on board and noting these, uh, these concepts to take back to the GBC or whoever decides all of these things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Thank you. Um, the uh, the process of change change of such things uh, tends to be mm, it's like a big ocean liner ship to change the direction can be very very difficult. Uh, there was um, there was a quite major change in the, the late 1980s, well, starting in 1986, um, or maybe earlier, 1985, when there was so much trouble uh, with the 11 selected, what was understood to be zonal <laughs> gurus. Um, yeah, and that's a whole long story that some of you already know something about. Uh, there was quite a major change at that time when it was, so to speak, opened up. And that's where, and again, many of you know the story, how I became sort of rubber stamped <laughs> as a guru. And I think it would have really helped a lot at that time what you're saying about the difference between the sadhaka and the siddha guru. Um, part of the problem there is I don't know that we find that terminology uh, within the Godiya Vaishnava tradition. 
I haven't seen it myself. Doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has lots and lots and lots of terminology of all sorts in his writings. But uh, it, it becomes a problem for devotees. You present something like this, and then they say, well, where is it in our tradition? You know, and then, oh, well, it's in the Sri Vaishnava tradition. Oh, well. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is that uh, uh, that that sentiment, which again, it it goes back to when are we going to learn from others? When are we going to allow ourselves to learn from others? Thank you, uh, thank you for bringing these points up. They are indeed to be dealt with. There's a question from Bhakti Sangha to everyone, and uh, I'm not sure who is Bhakti Sangha. Maybe it's Abhiduta Rai. Uh, he's asking, in a Vedic guru ashram system, the disciples receive knowledge from the teacher and the teacher's wife, a necessary affection. I think both are needed for character building. Were both of these aspects of education present in Mayapur Gurukul? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, I believe the answer is no. Uh, I I think, uh, yeah, because it's been very much oriented to um, male teachers, male senior teacher. Um, and uh, I think it, I don't know how it is now, now that all of this has come out, all this trouble. I know they made this one adjustment, namely that um, no children stay at the school overnight and uh, who are less than 16 years old. Um, that decision was made just a few days ago, it seems. But I agree, this, um, this is, it's in the Upanishads. The teacher, his wife, it's in the Bhagavatam, Sandipani Muni, and um, his wife are there, they're householders. Or as uh, uh, Ramananda Gopahal suggested, they could be vanaprastas. This could be a, a very important service for vanaprastas. And I agree, this uh, balance of the male and the female. Uh, cultures or ethos or um, some might want to say energies but <laughs> whatever whatever it is I think that they the complement therefore husband and wife and actually uh, coming back to what Rindapati is saying about sannyas gurus and disciples uh, I came to know when I was studying the Radharaman community that uh, their understanding is that uh, sannyas, sannyasi, by taking sannyas, becomes disqualified from taking disciples. Their system is that uh, disciples are, are accepted by the householder gurus. And uh, 
I mean, that doesn't mean follow their system because anyway, we're different in, in so many ways. <laughs> um, but I just found it very striking when I learned that about them. Um, because their their logic, as I heard from them, is no, when, you, when you're accepting disciples, um, they need attention. And how is the sannyasi supposed to give attention? He's, uh, he's a wandering mendicant. So that's interesting. Right, Hare Krishna. Well, uh, oh my, it's already... The time has gone quickly. Uh, have we pretty much gone through this? I mean, I don't want to cut this discussion short, but I'm also feeling a little bit like uh, maybe we could end on a bright note <laughs> instead of this subject. And what I'm tempted to do, whoops, there's more messages. Raja Mohini. Oh. Uh, yes. Are there any examples of schools or gurukulas within or within, outside ISKCON which you find well-organized and exemplary in giving a spiritual education? Could you talk a little about this? Um, I'm quite inadequate to this topic because it's not something that I've uh, given attention to it, you know. I've my attention is has been on other things. We visited when I was as Arunadai Sri uh, knows. She took me to two of the Avanti schools. These are not Iskan uh, Gurukuls. They are um, they're actually government schools. <laughs> um, and. Uh, Arunadai Sri was working with these schools for so many decades. Um, and all I could get there was impressions because we visited them for a couple of hours each. Um, my impressions were very positive, but they don't mean very much because also I'm not, uh, I, I wouldn't be trained to to even ask the right questions to find out anything of depth. We also visited the Bhaktivedanta Manor Gurukul one morning. That was fun. <laughs> uh, but again, it was just impressions and so on. Uh, who would be able to answer that? Well, we do have um, a Ministry of Education, and they do have a website and um, they have, I don't know if they call him now the minister or what, he's, what his position is called. It was Tapan Mishra. It was Shesha Prabhu for many years. And then it was Tapan Mishra. I think, again, uh, it's someone else, and I don't even know who that is. But if you're interested, I would suggest find the website and... Uh, and go from there. The um, the yeah, several guru gurukuls have gone through their dark periods. 
there's a brand new building, a new Gurukul um, outside Vrindavan. It's it's some distance. It's kind of sort of between Vrindavan and Radha Kunda. It's out in the country. I, I saw it uh, when they were beginning to build it. A big building. And um, while I was in Vrindavan, I heard it announced that they're now having the official opening of that Kurukul. Uh, it's, um, but these are, I mean, they're calling it, I don't know if they're calling it a Gurukul, and I don't think they have as a mortar school. But then again, even that I don't know. Maybe it is a boarding school because it's kind of isolated. Good question. I think uh, sort of the implied question is what are we doing right in our schools? <laughs> or do we have any model schools that we can look to? Uh, I would say there, there are some, uh, some things, some some schools are doing many things right. Um, but that's all I can say on that. Let me end on a completely different note. Uh, I have one godbrother, Kalakanta Prabhu, uh, living in Gainesville, or maybe he's moved to a Lachon. And he is a poet. Um, well, this is going to be a challenge for translators. Maybe it's not fair, but uh, he's a poet, uh, and he's 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 written a Bhagavad Gita. Uh, <clears throat> Bhagavad Gita, the rap of God. Uh, rap, you probably have heard of rap music. Maybe some of you are fans fans of rap music. Well, this is rap Bhagavad Gita. For those of you who can follow the English, I, I won't read too fast, but uh, just to give you a little of the flavor of this. And I'll start uh, with Krishna's instruction to Arjuna in chapter 2, uh, verse number 11. So Krishna says to Arjuna, such attitude and platitudes are pouring from your head, but cooler people never mourn the living nor the dead. Each one of us has lived before a countless flow of lives, and each of us will live forever. Spirit never dies. Our bodies morph from young to old to dead, and then we leave to take another body as the mindful souls perceive. As winter turns to summer, so a bummer becomes joy but wiser dudes, there's some English slang, American slang here. 
But wiser dudes are never moved by things they can't avoid. When you can tolerate both tribulation and elation, you're stable and enabled to just savor liberation. An honest look at life makes seers of the truth proclaim. The mundane plane does not remain, but spirit stays the same. The spirit permeates the flesh. It's permanent and whole. And no one can diminish or destroy the deathless soul. The inner soul continues while the outer body ends. So why are you uptight about this fight, my learned friend? To think that you will kill or will be killed are both mistakes. For souls cannot be killed and souls cannot assassinate. When you can see the spirit soul is indestructible, why would you think you'd kill someone or cause someone to kill? Not once have you, the soul, been killed throughout your history. You never came, you never left, you'll never come to be. You are just who you are before the day that you were born, and you will be the same the day your friends and loved ones mourn. As people buy new clothes and throw away the old and worn, the soul replaces dead bodies with fresh ones newly born. The soul cannot be pulled apart or burned by any blaze. No water drowns the spirit and no wind can make it fade. The soul cannot be burned or dried or broken or dissolved. The soul will never end or shrink or mutate or evolve. And yet, the soul cannot be seen or mentally conceived. Now knowing this, why should somebody dying make you grieve? <laughs> so like that, he's done the entire Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and uh, I think it's a very nice way to make Krishna's words accessible for or people who can relate to rap music. Perhaps the whole, uh, it would be good if you would record the whole thing with some rap music supporting it. <laughs> Maybe we should encourage him to do that. All right, I will say thank you for coming together. And thank you for your participation. And thank you who have been translating special thankless task. Daityesha, you were translating. Who else was translating? Some anyone? Swami Karuni Mataji to Russian Swami, speaker. Oh. 
and uh, I don't know if anyone else was doing. Uh, we always open, and then if devotees are there, uh, maybe the translator can come. Savitrishyama Mataji, did you translate to German? Yeah. Yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, translators, all of you. And Kavichanda. Um, yes. Rasa Dadi Hari, you wanted to say something? Mm, sorry, I thought that uh, the next uh, Saturday is Christmas, but now I see in the calendar it's not. So, sorry. The day before Christmas. Yeah, the day before Christmas. So, I don't know. Should we have a, a Sangha then? Or... Yes. For some, yes. For some, no. Some, yeah, maybe many of you are busy with family. That's fine. But if you like, as far as I know, I'm able to do. Um, but I'll be able to confirm that closer to next Saturday. Good, good. Okay. Oh, look, Alalanat's here. <laughs> Haribo. Nice to see you all. So have a good week, everyone. Chant, be happy, keep well, keep swell, keep sane, and uh, keep sheltered in Krishna's, Krishna's transcendental words. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Ananta Gauti Vaishnavarinda ki jai, Grantaraj, Srimad Bhagavad Gita, the rap of God ki jai, Sri Dham Mayapur Dham ki jai, Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Ho. Hare Krishna. His body name is Krishna Kshetra. Krishna Kshetra Swami ki jai. Thank you, Guru Maharaj.